My guest today is a Cape Town-based author, speaker, and self-proclaimed custodian of South African folklore, legends, rhymes, and true stories. Wendy Martins has several children's titles under her belt, and she joins me now to discuss her latest series called Torchbearers, which outlined the stories of inspirational South African women, past and present. Welcome, Wendy. Good morning, Sam, and Thank you for having me on your show. Oh, it's such a pleasure. To, but we want to know more about you. We want to know everything. Wendy Martins, who are you? What do you do? And what drew you into the world of children's literature? I never grew up. Um, deep inside of me is a nine-year-old girl who never stopped playing, uh, was always amused by things was very inquisitive, um, but she also taught uh, foundation phase for 22 years. Um, and out of that mix, um, my first uh, children's book appeared in a dream one night. I didn't choose children's literature as a job. Um, it actually chose me I stopped trying to understand how it happened and just accepted the gift because it was given to me. I was chosen. Wendy, what was that first children's book that came to you in a dream? Lena's Bottle Tree. A very special girl arrived in my class um, in 2004 and um, she came from the Eastern Cape the circumstances wasn't very good uh, under which she lived. She, she lived with her, uh, her grandparents in the Eastern Cape. She was just so special um, and still so vulnerable and untouched by the outside world. Then she landed in Selimbosh in Kaiman, and it was a difficult time for her to adapt for her mum as well and for her in school, and we grew very fond of each other. And while I watched her trying to overcome all the challenges, um, I had a dream one night. It, it was not a proper dream. It was more like a subconscious, like when you, when you, just when you, it's like a slumber state. And um, words appeared like the subtitles of a movie. They just kept flowing. And at a certain stage, I realized this is a children's book. I didn't get the whole story. It wasn't that easy. But when I woke up, I wrote it down. Um, I finished the story later on. I sent it off to a publisher. I completely forgot about it. And then uh, one morning, my headmaster called me and said there's a phone call from a publisher. They want to publish a book. And that's how my, my first How amazing, like a dream come true. And it was, it was published in English, Afrikaans, Isi, Koza, Isi, and Isi Zulu as well. Oh, I love that. I, w I, w I want to get my hands on that book. Is it still available? Not in the original form. But it was reprinted last year in a story collection, Sturikaros, 
but unfortunately only in Afrikaans. And illustrated. Wasn't that illustrated by Megan Bird? Yes, yeah, it's in that one. It's beautiful, beautiful illustration. So for anybody listening, go and nab yourself a copy because, I mean, that that is something special. Um, the words by Wendy Martins, uh, images, illustrations by Megan Bird. We, we've had her on the show before, so we are big fans. Oh, Wendy, you've written countless books, many in Afrikaans and some in English, translated, um, as you've mentioned, in um, several of our South African languages. Torchbearers is your latest edition. I have it here with me now. It is so special. I'm not, I'm not giving it up anytime soon. <laughs> I'm waiting for my small boys to grow up <laughs> so I can teach them about some incredible women in South Africa. Tell us more about Torchbearers. Let me, let's hear it from you rather than our listeners hearing, hearing me yabber on about my interpretation of it. What, tell us more about this project and what inspired you to start it. My publisher, Nandi Lessing-Fenter, um, approached, approached me um, to write a series of stories of 12 uh, very special women, inspiring women. She didn't push me in a certain direction. I was very glad that she, I was very happy um, that she uh, gave me the freedom to choose the woman and um, to go about do my own thing. That was only the start. Because after I started writing, I realized that um, the women um, is choosing themselves. They are telling me who wants to be there and who doesn't want to be there. So it was quite a journey. I did the writing during the hard lockdown, level five lockdown last year. I started just before that and then we went into lockdown. And... Um, the women were my companions. They were my friends um, during that time. Um, I did a lot of research, a lot of reading. I actually ate, slept, lived among these women. They were part of my days, part of my nights. They filled my world. And it paid off. I felt so humble by the fact that um, they actually showed up, it's, if it's the right term, you know mm. what I mean, mm. and helped me along. Um, I had on a road to meet to be a funneler. The rest. I had to do research. I read and read and read and read and read and read. So let's let's explain to our readers um, what what type of woman, what kinds of women we um, you have profiled in this series. So I'm holding up the the edition with Kasla Semenya, Zulaika Patel, both of of whom you know we we'd be able to find on Instagram, follow what they're doing. Uh, Sarah Marlow. Esther Mahlangu, Vanessa Gavinder, Alsa Nietling is, is the other one. I'm just going to name them all here. Zula, uh, Zulani Mahola, uh, Maggie Uester, Suna Fenter, Ingrid Jonke, Tuli Marnsela, and Griselda Grootwurm. I mean, 
Ooh, those are some big names and some important women that kept you company. So you mentioned that you interviewed two of them. I'd love to know more about about the writing process. So who did you interview out of those names? I spoke to um, Sarai Kumalu. We had a lovely interview and she actually took me on a journey to her childhood. Um, She grew up um, with her grandparents in a tiny village in Zambia. They were missionaries. Um, And she was a tomboy and a loner. She did her own thing. As long as she could be in the felt, she was happy. That's where everything started. I had a lovely time with her. And um, still I follow her um, with the mountain ranges she's doing. When I get up in the morning, I think, oh, she's now heading for this mountain or that mountain. And it gives me so much energy to know that. Amazing. So she she is a motiv- motivational speaker and a mountaineer. Yes. Um, she's the first woman who um, conquered Everest. Mount Everest, yes. The first black woman who cover, uh, conquered Everest. Um, but we are not aware of everything that happened before that. She... Um, For a a number of times, she had to turn around. She gave up, once she gave up 100 meters from the summit, um, she was left for dead. Mm -mm. Um, Fortunately, her Sherpa went and found help. What that woman, woman went through to actually be able to stand on the summit and also um, being bullied by her fellow climbers because she's a black woman on the mountain. And she had to hear that um, you're looking different from us. Uh, are there mountains where you come from? And you don't expect that. Not in this day and age, no. No. And um, she said, that actually gave her more energy because she didn't even answer that. She just decided that she's literally going to kick um, dust in that in those people's eyes. Oh. And she summited and one specific guy didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarai Kumalo, you, you interviewed her. Who else uh, who else did you interview out of the women in the series? I had the um opportunity to hear Griselda Grootboom speaking at my church. Then I realized what this lady went through as um, a woman who's been sex trafficked. We don't have an idea of what happened to a woman like that. And we don't have the slightest of the idea of the extent of um, what's happening out there at this moment today Mm. to a vast number of women. And um, she's working with the UN to make young girls aware of what's happening. Now, Griselda's story um, is quite graphic. That is why the age group is 11 plus. 
because I couldn't leave out uh, specific facts because um, that is the facts that carry her story. Griselda is so inspiring. Um, she, the fact that she stood up, she survived, and she's going on. And another thing, um, as a, as a, a schoolgirl from the 80s, um, as a student from the 80s, and um, I was in, born in the 60s, you hear from people who lose their houses, people uh, who are relocated, um, but you hear it so often, You at a certain stage, you don't really take it to heart anymore, um, unfortunately. And then Griselda's story told me um, that her story will make today's people realize the real damage that happened with forced removals. Mm. Because he was a street child for 12, 15 years, um, and everything happened when her family fell apart when they, when they lost their home in District 6 during forced removals. Nothing in her life would have happened when, um, if, she would, if her family didn't lose their home um, by forced removals. Um, that made me realize the extent of what families happened, uh, what happened to families, and the extent of the damage to the social structure um, of uh, our people. Well, on this podcast, we really believe in the power of stories and in in understanding the impact of of trauma on generations, as as you've described now, and also in telling the stories of of young people being able to recognize uh, trauma in themselves or potential abuse or warning signs. There's a lot that literature holds in addition to entertainment value and this is exactly what you've accomplished here is it just a sense of hope and a sense of empowerment for women and leading up to now we we focus a lot in women's month august in south africa on gender-based violence um in the context of the strength of women and them being survivors not victims as as you so correctly put it as well also um aptly put it and I just think that this is so powerful to in, – in, I mean, we've just coming off the back of last week. We had civil unrest in, in our own country. And I just – you know, what, what is it that you wanted to accomplish? I, I can see what you have accomplished with this work, with this body of work. But is there something that when – as you were writing, you thought, if I can manage to do this, then I've done my job as a writer? If – I've said this before, if it can make a difference to one girl, if she puts her school shoes on in the morning and she remembers the story of one of these women and it makes her decide that I will get up, I will go to school, I will face my problems, I will take the challenge of this day, and I won't back down. 
Um, as Sarai Kumalo says, just take one step. Just take the next step. Don't stop. Only one step. Just keep moving. That's the thing. And while I was writing the stories, I realized that each and every woman I wrote about had a very specific, very traumatic challenge within a very specific framework, historical and political. And to me, it was also very important to give the whole political and historical framework, um, but in less difficult uh, language, because I want the girl who read this to understand why her mother or grandmother or Tani made certain decisions many years ago. Mm. Maybe decisions that lady made is still causing trouble in the family and the girl doesn't understand why. But if I give her the historical um, and the political background, she can put that woman she loves so dearly, she can put her in that framework and she can uh, see for herself the circumstances and maybe understand a little bit of her heart she made certain choices. Um, so there's also a little bit, uh, uh, I also hope that it will bring some, uh, that means It brings a bit of unity. Yeah, yeah. Among the readership. For forgiving one another for mm. generational thing. Why did you do this? Why did you do that? Mm. But once I why this woman's journey, I can understand why my grandmother did that or why my mother chose that. Mm, a sense of empathy for yeah, your empathy forebears. Yeah. For that. I also made the extreme uh, decision to put in from um, Zulaika Patel uh, to um, Maggie Euster. Maggie Euster was a survivor of the Anglo-Boer War. And I thought, um, I'm an Afrikaner girl. And my grandmother told me the stories of what happened to my ancestors during the Boer War. And this, it wouldn't be finished if I didn't put in one story of my people as well. Mm. And I, with that, I hope that there will also be more understanding, that people will be able to understand one's background. And that's why I put uh, uh, Maggie Euster in. What Afrikaner people went through, um, the horrible challenges they had 100 years ago, um, and this wound in some families, still a wound they carry. We all come a long way. And I believe that we know, we can only know where we're going if we um, keep in mind where we're coming from. 
And that's why I believe in stories. If our the different cultures, cultures in our country share our stories, we also share where we come from and we share our dreams for the future. And I believe that that is really um, the cement that will uh, really gel us together. You can't forget where you come from because then you put aside um, your the real um, the spirit of your own people. Mm. And we need that to be a strong nation. We can't throw that away. Well, that is so powerful, Wendy, especially in the context of, of recent events and events coming up in the next month. You love folklore, you mentioned. Legends, rhymes, true yes. stories, which South Africa <laughs> has a colourful abundance of. Which one is your favourite? It depends which time of the year it is. I love especially love the stories of the sea, um, especially the shipwreck stories in Table Bay and uh, up along the West Coast. So I look on my calendar and then I see, oh, this ship sank yesterday or this ship um, would have sunken tomorrow or the day after that. This was the captain. This happened. This happened. This went wrong. Um, I love those stories. And they are my favorites. But what is so wonderful about folklore is folklore is about towns and families and places. Because um, every town has a story. Every town has a ghost. Mm. Um, And the people of that town keeps it alive. Every family also has a ghost story and they keep it alive. So folklore is this living entity that's continuing to grow. And um, some towns and some towns folk um, make a specific effort to keep it growing. Others is not that much aware of it. But you can take the map our country's map, and you can say um, Swellendam, um, uh, Lamheinke uh, is in Swellendam, that's the ghost. Um, Solaris Pass is near uh, Somerset West. The Black Buke drives uh, Solaris Pass. In the Free State, there's a lady um, washing a laundry near, I think, the Moy River. Um, that's an ancient tale coming a few hundred years. And then there's the beautiful story about um, Cape Point, uh, the giants fighting, the anvil and the rock is still there. So our country is a living legend in itself. If you look at the different landmarks and the different stories, Paul Rocks, the stories about Paul Rock. Mm. I still want to know, I'm still looking for a specific story on Paul Rock, but I couldn't get down to the the facts. There are too many facts that contradict each other. Chinese die. I still need (laughs) to get to the bottom. 
Oh, that's so exciting. I love that. And you need to come to Gauteng as well and give us, uh, we'll do some research into into our stories. There's lots of ghosts here and the Smuts House and the Spur case on, <laughs> on Dalmas. There's, yeah, there's a lot and you're right. It's, South Africa is really rich in stories like that and it it's, speaks to the spirit of, of our nation as well. I love, I love that. I love your enthusiasm for it. Perhaps a book, children's book on ghost tales of South Africa. What is next for Wendy Martins? There is a book, uh, the Best South Afrikaans' Book Stories. It was published in 2015 and reprinted, I think, in 2017. Amazing. I'm going to go look it up but now. it's not available at the moment. No, yeah. Wendy. And, and what about in, in English and in other languages? Um, maybe I should talk to my publishers about an English edition. I'm gonna put some. I'm gonna put some pressure on them, Wendy, for you because I think <laughs> I think it's very much needed. And and another question for you: Torchbearers, will it be available in other languages, other South African languages? Uh, Torchbearers uh, was written in Afrikaans. Um, it's and then it was uh, translated into English. Um, and uh, that's why Penguin is the publisher of uh, Torchbearers. Of the English edition. Of the English. Lapa is the publisher of the Afrikaans series, mm. yeah. And if, if this doesn't land up in South African school curriculum, then I don't know. I'll eat my hat because this is what our kids, our children should be learning about. What about other languages, Wendy? Is that a, should I also give give the publishers a call and be like, "Come on, guys, <laughs> we need this in in the other nine official languages of South Africa." You know, I'd really love that because the women of our country, the mothers, the grandmothers, the aunties, they are keeping the things together. There are so many households run by only a woman. And the the report I get from these books is that boys enjoy it just as much because so many boys learn how to be a man, learn how to function in society from a grandmother, Mm. from an auntie, because there isn't a male... Um, figure at home to teach them. And I think once women, <clears throat> excuse, once women operate from a point of nurturing, things can't go wrong. If you look at the heads of state um, in Africa, the women uh, presidents how well their countries are run, but they do it from a point of nurturing. Um, Trees are planted. Mm. Uh, Trees run like a well-run household. Mm. It's so different from being run um, in a paternal uh, way. Well, that's such a great observation, Wendy, and and lead in the lead up to to Women's Month as well. I I'll leave it on that note. 
Thank you so much for your insights. Thank you so much for Torchbearers. For anybody looking to get hold of it, obviously LARPA um, published the Afrikaans edition of this uh, series of books and you can get hold of of the English version on, on Penguin's website and I'm sure it's available at, at most um, bookselling retailers in South Africa. Otherwise, hit us up and we will put you in the right direction because this is something that every child in South Africa needs to needs to have a hold of and what a beautiful gift that you've given them. Thanks for joining us on The Great Equalizer. And thank you for having me and 